Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of YXC Underground. I'm your host, Eric Anderson. This episode is a continuation of last week's episode where we featured an incredible nonprofit organization here in Saskatoon called Empty Arms. It provides supports to individuals and families who have experienced the loss of a child during pregnancy or up to the age of six. Jasmine Hercheck and Brianna Cope co-founded Empty Arms in 2015 and were the featured guests in last week's episode. They were amazing to speak with, and the feedback I've received from listeners sure highlights their empathy and kindness. I hope you get a chance to listen to their story if you haven't done so already. The other voices you heard in last week's episode belong to Dax and Sarah Irons. They share the story of their son, Everett, who was born on September 22, 2018, and passed away at birth. They are grateful for the support Empty Arms provided them during such a difficult time, and in fact, it was Sarah's idea to feature Jasmine and Brianna on the podcast. Sarah and Dax invited me to their home on a chilly Saturday morning in December to talk about Everett and the supports Empty Arms provided them. It was a really powerful conversation, and I can't thank Sarah and Dax enough for their honesty and vulnerability in sharing their story. I played a few minutes of our conversation in last week's episode, but I want to share with you the entire interview because I just found it so powerful in how it shows the impact Empty Arms has on people like Sarah and Dax. I also wanted to share it because Sarah and Dax gave so much of themselves in telling their story. I've known Sarah for years through Saskatoon's yoga community, but this was the first time I met Dax, and he just shared so much of his heart in our conversation, and I'm really grateful to both of them for for sharing so much. We did the interview in their living room. Dax and I sat on the couch while Sarah sat cross-legged on the floor. On the coffee table in front of us were objects that were part of the Empty Arms package that you'll hear them discuss throughout the interview. Again, I am so grateful to Sarah and Dax for sharing their story with me on the podcast. I'm Sarah Irons. I'm Dax Irons. And who would like to tell me about Everett? Is that what you want? Yeah. Um, So... In 2018, we found out we were pregnant with our first baby together. Um, And then at our 20-week scan, we got a call back saying there was something they needed to rescan. So we went for a second ultrasound. And after that ultrasound, um, one of the fetal medicine doctors came to speak to us and told us that there were problems with our baby that were incompatible with life. Um, So... Then we had to make the decision of where to go from there, to carry to term or to induce labor then. Um, but basically, ever it was diagnosed with ventri- me- nah. ventriculomegaly. Thank you. <laughs> ventriculomegaly. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a very rare condition. Um, well, really, there were two things basically um there's supposed to be separation of the ventricles uh in the brain and that had not occurred but he also had uh, a massive amount of fluid in the in the skull cavity that prevented his brain from developing normally in the way that it should um so upon getting that news we talked to our doctor we talked to my brother who's a physician um i think he was our first call um asked him kind of his opinion, what he would do. And we also then talked to our doula, Chantelle Balthazar, who, um, when we called her, said, there's this organization called Empty Arms, um, and they can help you 
through this because we had no idea what we were going to be walking into. And then from there, we made the appointment to induce labor and contacted Empty Arms. And Jasmine was, I don't know if it was assigned to us or, but she uh, arranged to come. She was the person we had contact with and arranged to come to the hospital um, once Everett was born to create a space where we could have some memories with Everett before we had to say goodbye. Um, the, the phone calls that you had with, with your doctor and, and, and with your brother and with, and with your doula, um, what, what were those, what were those conversations like? Um, it was, uh, I don't know. I think for us, it was partly just to walk through the, that initial trauma, right? Like you're, you go through the steps, they ask the questions and you kind of go over that moment again to help you process it because I mean it's so initially overwhelming having the doctor tell you that you know your your baby um will never function normally like there was no you know they were unequivocally saying um you know this there is nothing we can do. There is no hope. There is no, and you know, they were direct about it and in a way I can appreciate that now, but it was also a lot in the moment. So I think those conversations were more, you know, we weren't ever going to get a different answer. And I don't think we were really expecting or hoping for one. It was more, you know, you, you just have to, you have to walk through that to, to remind yourself of the decision that you have to make. Um, I don't know. I, I know the doctor called me that night and talked to me for 45 minutes, which there our family doctor is a wonderful man. And I don't think there are, you know, I know a lot of people who I don't think their family doctor would have done that. Um, but it would, I mean, it, it wasn't a medical conversation. It was, it was a, it was more of a personal conversation. Yeah. Um, how, how quick how quickly did everything happen from when the initial diagnosis to to having Jasmine in in the in the room with you how like how quickly did everything happen the diagnosis happened on a thursday morning um and then thursday afternoon our parents came up my parents came up from Humboldt. Dax's folks came over um i think tanner and Janelle, like my brother and sister-in-law, came as well. Um, and we kind of all had some grieving time together, but we made the decision that night, called the doctor, talk, well, talked to our family doctor who called. He wasn't even following the pregnancy anymore because um, I was with a gynecologist, but um, talked to him, called the hospital, called Dr. Wesson, and... Yeah, I was within two days. Yeah. Yeah. Um... It, it's so it's so interesting, Dax. It, just in terms of when you were describing the, the conversation with your family doctor, that it wasn't like you said it wasn't so much about like the the medical. It was more just dealing with the news that you heard. Yeah, and it was I was asking questions about the the condition, making yeah. sure that I that I understood because I felt like I had to process that. And I mean, you know, like you ask him to look at a copy of the scans or whatever, and you know you you but like i mean your your options are at like from a medical standpoint are it's more about what was best for sarah and what was best for us and 
Um, yeah, so like, I mean, you talk about that, but then, but yeah, it was more the, I, I remember more feeling like my doctor was just sympathizing with me and, and walking me through it. Like, you know, there was never any conversation about possible medical interventions because there just wasn't anything. And our doctor had been with me, he's been my doctor for over a decade now. Um, and he had been with me through a previous miscarriage and, even in that, um, he called every day for 10 days. He is just a very incredible uh, human who went above and beyond as a family doctor to make sure the mental health part and the emotional support was there as well as the medical support. Um, Sarah, I hope this isn't too personal of a, of a question, but were, were you, like you, you, you get this news, but were were you worried about like your your own physical health at all or how how were you feeling? I was more worried about my mental health. Physical health kind of went to the back burner at that point. Um I was more worried about if I had chosen to carry Everett two term what that would do to my mental health. That was a big discussion. Um since the outcome wasn't going to be any different regardless. And then um but also the emotional impact of making that choice to move forward in that moment is really difficult. So it was more about navigating the mental health aspect. There was definitely physical health aspects that came later, but in that moment it was more about the mental health stuff for me. I was pretty, I was pretty numb about all the medical, physical stuff that was about to happen. Were, were you worried about Sarah? Um, again, more from the mental health perspective um we we are aware of people um like in our in our sort of not in our immediate community but um that that made different choices than we did uh that chose to carry the term and and things like that and we know that that had a lot of impact and but i mean it yeah it's more of a like okay how are we going to how are we going to deal with this? Um, we, I mean, we really wanted that baby and we were, we were so excited and you know, there's, yeah, it was like, I think the doctors, like I say, were very clear. Um, and yeah, the, I no, at that point I was not worried medically about Sarah. It was all, mentally and you know what was going to happen to our relationship with this so how how then did did empty arms sort of step in and 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 with jasmine and and brie like how did how did they what i guess what did they do on even on, on the day or leading up to um well dax can answer the first part because he talked to them on the phone i didn't yeah so i i actually yeah i so i'm the one who booked the appointment in the end and I was the one who made the call to empty arms. Um, Cause at that point, like we, you know, we didn't have that information, that much information about like what was going to happen and what we were going to do once we went into the hospital. Uh, like aside from um, that we were going to induce labor, but they sort of walked us through it um, about what would happen. Uh, Jasmine was very clear that I should, I, we could call her throughout the process. Um, 
whenever it was eventually born, it was at three o'clock in the morning, and I, 2.54, and, and I almost, I called her almost immediately afterwards. It was like, she just instantly became this, this point of contact. I, I called my parents and I called her and we, you know, um, she, they told us like that they would come in. Um, they brought us a kit. They suggested things that we should pack. Uh, she asked if we had things like blankets or stuffed animals ready and stuff like that and said, okay, well, I want you to take some of that stuff in with you um, so that you'll have it. Um, yeah, they, they offered, they said, do you want, uh, we can have a photographer come in and we initially said no to that, but then eventually changed our minds. <laughs> Um, they, although at that point, yeah, they didn't have anybody available, but it's fine. Like, I mean, they, they, they said, well, you know, this is something you're probably going to want. And that is something we did decide later. Um, yeah, overall it was just, it was nice to have things to do next steps and sort of an idea of what was going to happen. Um, and then, yeah, eventually, it was very early in the morning when Jasmine came. I mean, we'd had a few hours. Um, she brought us uh, a box um, full of um, all kinds of things that we might want forever. She brought a uh, the, the um, stuffed animals we did. We sort of went through a few rituals with him that kind of helped us, I think just, even though he wasn't there in his body, it just helped us let him know how loved he was and how much we'd wanted him. I mean, he was born with perfect little hands and feet and a perfect little face, and it was so hard to believe that you know, this, it, it wasn't going to happen. And then, so we, we went through things like, um, we read him a story, we changed his diaper, we put him in pajamas. He had, you know, we held him, he was in a nice little hat. Um, I believe empty arms has, has raised money over the years that they actually buy chillers. They're yeah. They're called cuddle cots. Um, so, um, so that he was physically in, in good condition throughout the, the process. Um, we had a, we had a few people close to us, um, who came in and had the chance to hold him and see him. Um, and yeah, so you just, you know, you don't have to go through that that sort of misery alone. Um, yeah, we did eventually have, have photos and stuff. Um, one of the, I think one of the, the most special things was Jasmine actually suggested here, why don't you, uh, we gave him a bath, uh, with, she brought in a whole kit of essential oils in, in different scents. And she said, pick one that you don't have any other association with pick one. <laughs> because we always I have, have a lot, <laughs> but so she said, okay, I want you to go through these things and I want you to 
like pick something that you don't have any other sense memory for and then so and then that's what we added to his uh, to the bathwater as we cleaned him and changed him into the pajamas that he would be in when we finally left the hospital and that kind of thing um and then you know we dried him with the the towel and so you know and then now we have all those things preserved in a ziploc bag and you can you know when you open that that bag which we have done on his birthday you know that stuff remembering going through that ritual um is a is a very positive memory for us like you're going through a miserable miserable time but knowing that you you love that baby as best you could in the time that you had and that you went through that stuff is is some small comfort in that like in that dark dark spot yeah thank you dax we got to weigh him and do his measurements and all the things that you would do or that you do do when you have a, a baby full term. Um, and they brought things that were like his size, like this was his stuffed rabbit that um, they brought in. They let you take their handprints and footprints. So we have them on our wall, the ink ones. And then in our little memory corner, we have his other stuffed animal with his hands and footprints in, um, it's kind of clay. It looks like clay, but it's not really, it's like a polymer, but, um, they supplied all of those things. Like we didn't have to think of any of these things. They supplied clothes that were the right size because nobody expects to have a baby that small. He was just over a pound. So very, very tiny. So no one expects to, have to call the baby that small or anything like that. So they made it that we had all these things available to us. Um, they also supplied us with the, um, information for, uh, planning a funeral if we wanted or an interment. There is a children's garden actually in Woodlawn Cemetery behind the house here, um, where you can enter the babies if you want. And it's all, um, children that have been lost too soon. Um, and but we chose to keep Everett here with us right now so but it's always there in the future and they took care of cremation services they supplied us with a choice of urn like we didn't have to think or do much in that regard other than say yes or no in the moment and when Dak said we didn't have a photographer um luckily one of my very good friends is a photographer and she couldn't come but she had a second shooter that she took with us that came and had never done anything like that and was such a it was very hard for her but she did a very wonderful job and she still reaches out and we still talk so um september 22nd was his birthday yes is that yeah okay um how how long how long were you able to spend with him well because i ended up getting quite sick in the hospital which has been my story of pregnancy since um we had ever with us for two days or close to two days because I had, I ended up hemorrhaging and having surgery. So Dax was alone with our moms and Everett during that time. Um, but because I was there, they allowed us to have him with us for the entire time that I had to be in the hospital. Um, it, it I thank you for, for walking me through all of that. Cause I, I know that's not easy. And as I, as I look on your coffee table right now there there's so many memorable 
like you said, like um, symbols and and things full of full of meaning from your from your son. Um, I like when when you when you're looking out at at all this, like what what is what what goes through your mind? Um, lots of memories and feelings from that day. We generally pull it out on his birthday. Um, now that we have a daughter, we read her that book every year on his birthday. And on the night you were born? Yeah. yeah. On the night you were born by Nancy Tillman. Um, we actually both chose art uh, from that book, that from portions of it that resonated with us and uh, had them converted into tattoos. Um, so, yeah, there's... Can, can you tell me what's on your arm? Uh, yeah, I have three geese tattooed. Uh, and because there's a quote um, in the book that goes uh so if ever you wonder just how special you are and you wonder who loves you how much and how far just listen for geese flying high or honking high in the sky they're singing a song to remember you by um and so and i just like the way that it looks like uh, a young geese with his parents flying behind it and uh yeah i just and i do um I do now when I hear when I hear the geese, uh, you know, migrating every year when they when they're leaving or coming back, you know, there's always that reminder. I remember very early on, um, actually even before I got the tattoo, walking to work, um, I work at Innovation Place, and I I used to walk across the train bridge every day, and I remember like having to stop and have a quick cry on the bridge because. Um, yeah, it was probably, I don't know, middle or end of October. And I just remember having that, that moment hearing birds call and it's nice knowing that I'll have that association with him forever. And it's, and it's because somebody had the, the forethought to, to put together a package like this and, uh, you know, like we didn't know at the moment, but that book now has given me something that I'll, you know, I'll be able to reflect on with him forever. Sorry, I was, <laughs> that was, that was very powerful. Thank you. Th thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, Dax, like you, the, the fact that you just mentioned that someone had the foresight to do all this, because like, when you're in the moment, like, I, I, I can't imagine everything that's going through your minds and in your hearts in the moment. Um, like, was it, when you reflect back on it, like, and you think of, of what empty arms did for you guys and, and your family, like, does it sort of, does it sort of like, I'm, I'm amazed at the, like, at everything that they did and, and how, like, like, how, how do you guys feel re reflecting back on it? Well, immense gratitude because, um, it all came from their losses of having lost children and not having support or help in the way they would have wanted um and then that they had the ambition and to take that and make it into something where they could help other parents through it um because we're really lucky in Saskatoon that we have that there's lots of places where that's not a thing we talk to so many parents who have had these losses people in our family that we didn't even know had um had such difficult losses that they didn't have support that their babies were kind of just 
taken away from them after the baby's passed that they didn't really get to say goodbye or have a funeral or create any of those special memories. Um, so I think all in all, just mostly gratitude for the fact that they gave us the gift of being able to create those memories and have as good of experience as possible in an unimaginably difficult situation. I, the, one of the amazing things is, was like in the aftermath of losing Everett, I think we came through it in such a way that we had like a reasonably positive experience under the circumstances, like Sarah said, I mean, like as, as good as you can have it. And like, there's, you know, for me, there was a, a reticence at the beginning, like a resistance to, to call a stranger and invite them to share in this terrible personal grief. You know, you, the idea, even, even though that I knew the service was centered on this, um, you, yeah, I, the idea of making that phone call was hard at first and I, but it was, it, I had we the moment. Chantel. Yeah. We trusted Chantel, which helped. Um, and then we, I think some of it was just the momentum of, okay, I've already made the terrible call to schedule it. How, how bad could this one be? Um, but finding out in the aftermath of Everett coming through it and being able to talk about it and sort of being public about it, um, we found out how m much other loss was out there, like Sarah said. Um, that, you know, people came to us and they said, you have no idea how much I wish I had been able to do that when I lost my baby. Or finding out that there's so many mothers who who never got to see or hold or you know people who experience loss even like right up to a week before you know these babies births you hear all these stories from all these people and so i think that that's one more reason that i think we're happy to be talking about this today is uh, for anybody who goes through it in the future, you you might feel resistant to make that call um, because it is it's hard. But the I feel like the the not knowing would be so much worse. Um, you you bring up such a, a a great point in terms of how public you have been in terms of 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 your story and Everett's story. And, and Sarah, it was, it was you that reached out to me and said, like, have you heard of this organization before? I think they would be really interesting to focus on the podcast. And, and I'd never heard of it before. And so again, both of you being willing to share your story le leads to all this. Like, is it, um, um, like, were, were you at all hesitant to, to get your story out there a bit? Or was it, was it a moment where it's like, I feel like this needs to be known throughout our community in terms of the work that NT uh, Arms does and, and what you've been through. I think I wasn't hesitant. I'm I'm pretty open and vulnerable. I um, am a yoga teacher and have taught about emotional balance and anxiety and dealing with depression and all that stuff for a very, very long time. But I think a big part of that was our yoga community at the time, which 
has changed. You were a part of that community at the time. Um, it, it made it really easy to talk about it and really easy to have a safe space because that community was a safe space and those were the people that showed up then brought food and um helped raise money so that I could be off work because being an independent contractor I didn't have a way to do that otherwise um and there's no um bereavement leave for a lot of people that lose a baby at this age which is unfortunate so this made it very possible um, sharing the story with our community was seemed really natural, at least for me. And then the more we heard, like my grandmother lost the baby at 23 weeks and we didn't know that until this happened. I didn't know that part of her story and she was alone and had to go down to the nursery because it was different then and say goodbye by herself because my grandpa was home with the other two children <laughs> and, um, and we heard that story and then a couple of our aunts shared stories and that we had no idea about where they didn't even really get to say goodbye. Um, and so I thought it was really important that people know that this is an option and that for cities that don't have it, that maybe if they're passionate about it, that it's something that they can look into starting and reaching out to people like Jasmine and Bree who started that here. Um, and, Every year we try to do some kind of little fundraiser around Everett's birthday to support them. Um, there's lots of things that they do, but it's, yeah, it never was hard for me to talk about it. I mean, hard, yes, emotional, but not the decision to talk about it was never difficult. I think sharing people's stories is a really important um, part of being human and knowing that we all suffer and go through things that need support. And and I I just think too the fact that you mentioned when when you when you start to share your story and experience what you what you both went through that you started to hear like from your own family that they had been through this as well it's like I I don't know I don't know what that says about family but the fact that that you know they had to go through this alone but then okay now I finally feel comfortable to tell my story I, I don't, yeah I, there's not a question there I just find that really interesting. Well, I think I think for a lot of people, there's there's shame around losing a child, even though it's very often outside of your control. I think that there are, I think there are people out there that will make you try to feel shame, um, like you did something wrong in your pregnancy. I think there's a lot of, I mean, there is there is a whole culture around pregnancy and how you should be during that period and how you should feel and 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 so when when you experience a loss you go through it i think there's i think there's a whole different i mean we talk about it, um in in men like the whole idea of compartmentalizing and not talking about it there's a whole uh, there's a whole mythos out there about like waiting until you're past 12 weeks pregnancy and then it's like safe beyond there to tell people, right? And that if you lose a baby before 12 weeks that you should like just keep it to yourself. And that I, I, it's, I think it's insidious and, you know, like I, I won't lie sometimes in telling my story, like when I went back to work, people would be asking. People didn't 
people didn't know, like it wasn't like my bosses shared. I just told them and I said, I'm not coming back for a while. And they, they were very, um, supportive that, yeah, they were fantastic. There was no, they, it was just, okay, come back when you're ready. Uh, and then, but then in sharing my story with people, when I went back, there certainly were like absolute looks of horror on some people's faces of like, Oh my God. I can't believe you're sharing in this detail. And I was like, okay, you know, if I'm, if this is too much, I can stop. But, and you, you go through that and, and <laughs> it's because some of it was like, you know, the opposite of the yoga community where people had been so receptive to hearing about it. Mm-hmm. And we just spent weeks of, of having people come and visit. Um, and and you know sharing and sort of processing some of that stuff so maybe it was just habit but um yeah you 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 do second guess when you when you share with with certain people and they don't and and you can kind of see that look nobody was mean about it nobody was like rude but there was certainly like a look on some people's face of i can't believe he's telling me this um and so I can't imagine what it's like for people who are already feeling shame where I was, you know, I was not in that space at all. Um, I am rambling. Oh, you're, Dax, <laughs> Dax, trust me, you're doing amazing. Um, but, yeah, like I said, the, we'd, we'd never have found out I don't think we ever would have found out about about friends and friends and family or like yeah letting and something like I I there was so much unprocessed emotion even in the people that we were hearing it from like the people who had kept it from themselves or like to themselves and there were people you know and you you'd hear from them I don't I don't, can't believe I'm telling you this. I've never told this to anybody before, but it's just like, it's because we've been there or like, because we are, you know, it's comforting to you because you know that, okay, there are people that, yes, they haven't had this exact experience, but like there, are, there are people in my life that, that, that know a bit about what this feels like. And with catching ourselves when people ask us, like, how many kids do you have? And whether we say we have two or we just say we have a daughter, um, because you you can tell they don't, aren't going to be receptive or don't want to, I'm trying, or not, don't want to hear that part of the story, um, but I'm trying to always say two, because that's the reality. We have two kids, um... And something I've learned or realized is that if people lose a child later in life, so um, I've known lots of people who have passed when I was a teenager or um, friends and family that have lost kids. Um, My great aunt lost her son when he was 20 um, and she wasn't, she reached out right away and said, I really hope I'm sad you had to join this club with me. Um, But we never hesitate to say his name. In fact, we, talk about him all the time um a lot of people hesitate when it's a baby they don't treat it in the same way which is really hard for the parent um they don't know 
that it's actually easier if you say their name. It's actually easier if you talk about them as if they existed because they did and not as if they were just a passing thing in because he'll always be a part of our life. We talk about him with Brogan. We, she knows as much as a two-year-old can that she has an older brother named Everett and that he's a part of her life in whatever way. Um, we make up stories where there's the two of them in it and she'll ask for those stories. I don't remember them ever, so they're always a different iteration, but... <laughs> well, well, because, I mean, we... How do you measure the impact of a person, right? It's Sarah and I are not the same people. Our parents are not the same people. Our siblings are not the same people because he existed. Even for that, that brief flicker, that you know, that twenty weeks weeks that he lived inside of Sarah, he had impact. We changed our whole lives based around his existence and so yes he is not here walking and talking but it, he had impact we got, married on his due date. we got married on his due date here in this living room we <laughs> i proposed in the hospital actually because i you know, it was something that I'd obviously been thinking about, mm. but because I just, I looked at Sarah and I said, I, how could I ever, how could I not be with somebody that I lived through this with? That, you know, like, we are so permanently connected by that moment and I never want to be with anybody else that because nobody is ever going to understand me again but this person um yeah and it was so it was such a no-brainer to get married like four months later but we've been friends for a decade and and had lived together for a few years at that point so <laughs> Just a little bit of context yeah, there, but yeah. a little bit. Uh, cool. yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's not like, it's not like yeah. it was a one-night stand resulting <laughs> in a baby. And then we were like, <laughs> but. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, y you both have been be beyond generous um, with your time and inviting me uh, to your home and telling me about Everett. Um, is, is there anything else you would like to say about your son or about... Um, or about your family, or about the work that Empty Arms um, continues to do? Is there any, and that you would like the community and all the podcast listeners out there to know? Any Anything else that you'd like to say? Um, if you get a chance to support Empty Arms, I would say do it, even if it's a small donation, because you notice a fundraiser. They have fundraisers throughout the year, which I'm sure Jasmine and Bree will talk more about. Um but I guarantee that everybody knows somebody that has lost a child that they have would have been able to benefit from empty arms because they, I believe it's from conception to two years old that they help through the grieving process. Um, 
And so if you can help somebody in that way, you can, it's, it's life-changing. It changes the way that that grief is looked at. It changes the way that that relationship with the child is. And also if people are listening, talk to parents about their children, living or dead, they have impacted their life and they're a part of that family, whether they are sitting with them or not. Um, yeah, I obviously I agree with everything Sarah said. Empty Arms is a wonderful organization. Uh, I will say that the, the one piece that's always felt like it was missing, um, we were presented with all the possible funeral options um, for Everett, but the one that was missing um, was actually the ability to um, to send him to the actually send him to the university um, so that he could be of help in research and studying birth defects, which is an option that um, that I'm passionate about. I believe that um, people, especially with uh, you know, in the case of a birth defect or, uh, people who, uh, people who are afflicted with, with illnesses and disease who are terminal, I believe that there's a, there's an onus to humanity to, um, to, to give yourself to research. Um, my grand, my grandfather did it, uh, and, and was honored for it by the university. Um, I spoke to them during uh, the ceremony given by the, the medical students about whether or not, you know, the donation of Everett's body would have been of value um, to the uh, to the medical school. And the, the doctor in charge said, yes, absolutely. And I said, well, then you guys should really set up a program. Like, it seems odd to me that you have a perinatal ward um, but there is no contact or no line of communication set up where this could have been done. So I don't think the, um, it was on empty arms to, to do that. Um, yeah, and I just, I'd really like to see that be an option because in the, in the case of a rare defect like, like Everett's, if they're, you know, who knows what sort of early detection stuff can be developed, um, yeah, that, that might help other lost parents in the future to prevent what we experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you both so much. Um, Sarah, thank you for reaching out to me, for getting all this, you know, this, this ball rolling. And, and um, thank you both for, um, for sharing your story. Like, Dax, I just met you. And, uh, um, yeah, I, when you were telling the story about you, the meaning behind your tattoo, I just wanted to put down my microphone and give you a hug. But um, <laughs> don't don't know if we're at that stage yet. But I I I, I really appreciate you both sharing your story. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. My thanks again to Dax and Sarah Irons for sharing their story and their memories of Everett on the podcast. A reminder that you can learn more about Empty Arms by listening to the previous episode of YXE Underground and by visiting EmptyArmsPLS.com. 
I would also like to acknowledge that this interview was conducted on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. My name is Eric Anderson. I host, produce, and edit this local independent podcast. Thank you all for listening so much, and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.